This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. Christina, how was your weekend? What did you do? Oh my goodness. My weekend was, I was going to say so much fun, but honestly, that's a load of lies. (laughs) Wait a minute. It was exhausting. I was moving all weekend, um, but it was exciting. I'm transitioning from one apartment to the other, as you know. So it's going to be so much of a bigger space. It just it makes me very excited for the future. And I did have a very fun dinner with friends that I haven't had in so long because I realized I haven't seen friends in so long. So I was like, wow, I was around people and that felt amazing. Wait, that's like the same for me. I went to a small gathering and it was outside as well. So, yeah. you know, a social distance. But I honestly, I don't know about you, but I had a, a little bit of anxiety before I went because I was haven't socialized with new people in a very long time. And I was like, am I going to remember how to like have a conversation? Wait, how act? did you do? Were you normal? Were you able to talk? Were you able to ask questions? Well, I think I drank a little bit too much. Oh shit, you were nervous. But I think I held it together. I really think I was still pretty, pretty cool, calm, collected. Um, I did make, you know, this group of full grown adults play Never Have I Ever, which <laughs> I kind of regret. Oh my gosh. I am dying. Wait, how did that conversation even come up? I don't even Were you know. like, guys, this is an amazing idea. Let's say never have I ever. I think that's what happened. And isn't that I am kind of mortified. I don't even <laughs> want to think about it. And you know what the worst part is? What? This is hard. I don't remember what I said is my never have I ever. Oh. I am honestly racking my brain. I'm like, I am embarrassed. I embarrassed myself. Like, okay, Rayanne, chill out. This is why ugh, you live and you learn, I guess is all I can say. Did you meet anyone cute? Um, Any potential boyfriends? There were definitely some cuties. They were lifeguards. Ooh. So like we love like a little lifeguard. Cal- like beach lifeguards? Yeah. Oh, I love that. But um, I was probably just like twice their size. Like all of them, just so cute little, you know. But, but I don't think you should worry about that. If they're lifeguards, they can handle some rough waters. Do you think, okay, do you think they could handle? I, th- I think if they could handle the Pacific Ocean, they could handle you, right? Oh my God. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. Oh, but no, it, it was overall a great, good weekend. I think that was our question. Well, good. I am so glad that we are both able to still socialize as human beings. Yes. Despite everything going despite on. Despite being in quarantine for so long, we can still uh, have some some social skills. The people <laughs> listening to this podcast would be like, I beg to differ. Yeah, they're like, uh, you're losing it. Definitely. Well, we will jump right into today's episode. We are so excited to have Kelly Brown on the podcast. She is uh, like my ultimate girl crush. She is so freaking cool. She's so smart. She's a great businesswoman, a style icon. There's just so much to look up to. Like mm. I follow her and I just I'm like, She's just like a badass bitch and she's just a cool girl. Yeah, you're going to want to have your notebooks out for this one. She shares some amazing business advice, um, just self-love knowledge. She is truly, uh, truly incredible. All right, let's get into it. I hope you guys love this interview. 
Before we get started, let me just shamelessly hype her up because when I say this girl does it all, I am not exaggerating. She is a blogger and the founder of And I Get Dressed. She is a home decor guru. She has her own line of merch. She is the brains behind hashtag fat at fashion week. And if that's not enough, she is working on launching her very own podcast called the Fat Icon Podcast. Kelly has also been featured in some of the biggest publications in the world, including Vogue, O Magazine, Glamour, The Zoe Report, and so many more. I could go like on and on. It's crazy. Um, well, we are so excited to have you, Kelly. Hi, I'm excited to be here. We are so stoked. Thank you so much for tuning in. You look so beautiful. Um, Ray and I have been talking all day and we're like... Did you see uh, Kelly's story about this? Did you see Kelly's post about that? We're like, she's so funny. She's so cool. We can't wait to hang out with her on the podcast. I can't wait to hang out with you guys in real life. We're in the same I know, I know, I know. I know. Please have us over to your dreamy apartment or house, actually. Um, I'm so ready. Because it's like decor goals. Seriously. But speaking of that, it seems like everything that you do is so like thought out on brand, like so well done, whether it's your merch, your home stuff, your fashion content. Can you give us like a little background of your career path and how you got to where you are today? Sure. I think that the reason that everything sort of like gels or sort of aligns is because it's really the truth of who I am. Um, It's very much my perspective and my aesthetic. It's like, I do like everything to look away um and so that translates into what i dress like how i dress what i put in my house um but my career path is uh sort of unusual i guess i started out working in a pr um i don't know a trillion years ago i feel like because pr doesn't fully exist anymore <laughs> um and marketing and so i worked on a lot of entertainment at first and then i worked on a lot of fashion um primarily being like the fat girl in the skinny room, you know, cause I wasn't really doing plus size stuff, but, um, that led me to kind of bouncing back and forth between fashion and entertainment, working with like huge corporate entities and celebrities and stuff like that. And I just sort of started a blog around 2012 cause I knew that I wanted to just create content for myself and it didn't really mean anything then it was more just like hobby, but because I guess I come from, marketing and PR and like actual business world. Um, I quickly saw that this was something that, um, could be a business if I was diligent and tended to it. So that's kind of how it all started. So you were like one of the original. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm probably like the second class of the originals cause Gabby, Nicolette, um, mm-hmm. Sakina, some other women who were amazing and existing in this space in terms of blogs. And, um, I was still deeply embedded in PR then, um, and was doing both at the same time. And I think I kind of hit my stride with blogging probably like 2013, 2014 vibes. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Instagram came in made us all pay attention to to it. Um, So yeah. When did you leave kind of like the PR world, the marketing world behind to go full term on your own? I was working for, I was a PR director for Damon John from Shark Tank in 2014. I left him and decided to invest in me. Um, uh, And I always say whenever I I talk about him. He is such an inspiration that I left. It's like, you were such a good boss that I actually left. Um, because 
I was just deeply inspired by his hustle, his drive, and his kind of make it happen attitude. We're very much cut from the same cloth in that way. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that was when I decided that I wanted to, what would happen if I focused on myself full time? And I wanted to give myself that opportunity. I mean, that is so cool because you were working with him then when he was like, when Shark Tank was going on and probably at the height of Shark Tank too, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, so seeing him kind of like explode in so many different ways and seeing, I guess, being responsible for his publicity too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, no big deal. <laughs> that's, that's huge. huge. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, uh, what did? No, it was, um, you know, it wasn't that he exploded. It's more about his longevity. Um, that's true obviously too. creating FUBU in the nineties, we were all like kids probably begging for that stuff. Um, and, um, into the early two thousands and, um, sort of him always being a fixture in my mind in terms of like this person who created something cool. Um, but then yeah, with shark tank being a resurgence of his popularity and the show was definitely at the height, it was a lot of fun memories. Um, and a lot of really cool work was done, but I, I just knew that I wanted to do this full time, even though I was doing it. It's just, I wanted, like I said, I wanted to bet on myself and see what would happen. So I'm glad I did. Yeah. Good for you, girl. You're killing it right now. I, I love how you said, um, I think you said invest in yourself and bet on yourself because that's mm -hmm. like, it can be really scary. And some people will never take that leap. So what would you like say to someone who's kind of in that, in that position where they're like, Oh, should I take this leap and trying to find that confidence within themselves? I think that it's just, it's all related. Like all of us three ladies talk about like self-love and we talk about like pouring into yourself. And that doesn't just mean in how you look or how you present yourself. You have to be confident about your abilities, confident about your intelligence, confident about your creativity. Um, and I think so overall, as we build our confidence um, through the years and become more sort of self-assured and, and knowing that we um, can do things, we see our successes like, oh, wow, I didn't think I could um, do this activity or I didn't think I could wear this dress or I didn't think I could um, really remember everything I needed for my work PowerPoint and I nailed this meeting. Like all of those little moments, I think it's important to like, just have a little moment and celebrate because then it's in your mind. Like when you want to refer back to uh, a moment, it'll become a top of mind. Like we, we really like filed it away. Um, so when you're thinking about the next step or the next thing that you want to do, you have all these dope moments to refer back to. Like I can actually do this cause I did this, this and this. Um, and I think also like, I just always refer to this cause when I was little, my dad would always tell me, if you want to try something, you have a no before you try. You have a no before you ask. So you have at least by trying a 50% more chance of succeeding than not trying at all. Uh, so those are probably the two things. No, those are such good tips. And honestly, something that I forget too, because when I look at myself and I look at my business, it's so easy to get caught up on like, what's next or how do I do this? Mm -hmm. That you completely forget about like where you've come and what you've accomplished and like mm -hmm. who you've worked with. And it's almost like you can kind of get like defeated or insecure and like trying to figure out the next hustle or the next big thing. And you do have to reflect on those super powerful moments that you achieved on your own, that you made it past to, to really move on and definitely give yourself the power to do so. Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah, I do the same thing where I'm like, 
oh my gosh, like what's next? What's next? And then you forget like, oh my gosh, I have worked with some of the brands like I've dreamed of working with. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's so important to take that time and, and recognize. And I think, do you think that having those little moments where you're like, okay, yes, that was, that was rad. That was a really big accomplish for me has helped you um, determine like your value and your worth. Cause I know that's something as like an entrepreneur that sometimes, um, a difficult thing to like stand strong on and like understand your worth. Yeah, I definitely think, um, I think there's a lot of ways to determine your worth. Like your worth as a person is invaluable. So I don't mean that, but I mean like your job worth or whatever. Um, I think it's a culmination of a couple of things. Like you have to think about, especially for us, right? We're in a creative field. It's a service-based industry, meaning that we're not selling you necessarily a thing unless it's our like merger product line or whatever. It's really about us. So when a brand is hiring us, they're hiring us for our creative abilities. It might be like in part what you look like, what, what boxes you fill for a campaign, your audience, how they engage. There's all these layers. And so I feel like, the best way to know your worth is to really know who you are. And that's not just like in an esoteric way. Like I know who I am. I'm a great girl. You know, not like that more like I know who I am, meaning like, I know who my audience is. I know what kind of value um, I put behind the scenes, meaning like whether I pay for photography or videography, um, whatever courses you, you know, spent money on learning all of your, like how to use final cut or whatever, like all these extra things in addition to just kind of the the random things. And then also research, you know, knowing what your, your, your colleagues make, um, or what's an industry standard. And if you're in, in an industry that doesn't necessarily have a standard, there are some cues for, you know, to be able to decipher, yeah, I think our industry is really tough, right? Because first of all, it's a new industry. We're kind of making mm-hmm. it up as we go along. We're determining our own value. And I know for me, something that's been really helpful is that like, I have created a group of colleagues where we are super transparent and open with each other, where we discuss rates. And if someone asks me about this project, like, or if someone tells me what they're getting paid, I'd be like, girl, like, you need to get paid more. You know what I mean? Like, that is not okay. Or... I feel like we, this happened a lot with you and I, Ray, in the beginning Mm -hmm. of our friendship as well too. But it is also so hard because there is such pay disparity um, amongst influencers, amongst just the entire industry in general. And sometimes I'm like, okay, how do you put, how do you determine your value? And if you accept a rate that's lower, is it your fault for not putting enough value on yourself? Is it the brand's fault for not being fair, I guess, or I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a little bit complicated. Yeah, Um, it is a a lot complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot complicated because I do think that, for example, if we were bank tellers, right. Mm -hmm. And you go into your local brand brand store bank and you're going to be a teller and they say, we're going to pay you $12 a year. And you say, okay, you didn't Google, like, what does a bank teller make? You did no research. You didn't talk to anybody there is some responsibility in just not knowing, you know? Um, So I think that's kind of one side of it. I think that brands number one job. And I think because I have been both the brand and the influencer, number one job is to, uh, to pay as little as possible (laughs) to get what you need, right? You're trying to spend as little of uh, whatever budget so that you can, 
apply it somewhere else or whatever. And so I think that waiting for a business to be like, I don't know, it's hard waiting for a business to be fair in that way. Um, yeah, should they, of course, um, would they, I don't know that they would. Some brands are, you know, I think they know what kind of like the market scale is and they really try to do right by their, um, influencers and employees. But I think for the most part, if they can pay you zero, they most certainly would. So that kind of sucks, but it's just the reality of business. And I don't think just our business, I think any business, I think it's important to, like I said, do research, talk to people, like have your little pod of friends who you can compare and contrast, or if you feel like something may be unfair or you're unsure. When a lot of the conversations around pay parity were going on, um, especially as it relates to race, we already know that plus size influencers make less than straight size influencers. Add to that being black or a person of color, then you make less than white plus size influencers. It's, it's gross. And so I've asked friends, you know, who are white and thin, like, hey, you know, what's your average if you don't mind sharing? And of course, people generally don't when you're close, when you have a close enough relationship, I don't think you should just DM people you don't know hi we've never met (laughs) we never met but like what do you make um but you you're people that you're close to and that you know it's a safe space and you can ask questions just to make sure that things are fair it's kind of what you have to do it's not like ideal but and i think there is power as like women in this industry in speaking about it which is a reason why i think like we admire you so much is you are you know openly talking about about knowing your value and and your worth and having those conversations to inspire other women in this space to do the same because it's not like money doesn't need to be a taboo like thing you know like you said it's not Mm -hmm. knocking on someone's door who you've never spoken to before but having that community where you can really turn to each other and support each other and grow um but has there ever been a, a time where you've realized you've been paid less than someone on a campaign than you or as you're talking to friends has there ever been an instance where you're like holy shit i did not this this is not okay and how did you how did you deal with that and how did you would you make changes moving forward I think we've all been in a situation where we were paid like we were undervalued um i think for the most part um a big advantage to my work history is like having a really comprehensive understanding of budgets and what budgets mean and what we don't have budget means. It doesn't mean that there's no budget. It's a company. (laughs) It means they don't have budget for you or they don't want to pay you what you're asking for. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And so I've always just tried to um, decide what is worth it to me. And I, I think that I did what was hard for a lot of people. I would say when someone wants to be an influencer, first of all, when most of us started, I don't remember when you guys started, but it wasn't a job yet, right? We were doing this when there wasn't money. And so um, now that there is, and we've all sort of like paid our dues, I think it's, um, you know, we created some stepping stones for the people coming behind us to kind of not have to do some of the stuff that we did. And so, um, I think we've all had that moment where we were paid less than we wanted, but I've always been super analytical of what I say yes to. Um, And I did what was hard, which was I didn't just run away from, you know, my clients and my consulting just to be an influencer. I made sure that I had other income so that I could say no to jobs that were not being um, what I thought was fair or that weren't paying enough or didn't seem like worth my time because you can never go backwards. You can never 
let a brand pay you one thing and then be like, just kidding. Uh, my rates are double and the next week they're going to always sort of come back to you in that range. And it takes a lot longer to build that up versus saying no and letting them come to you when they're ready. It's like, Hey, um, you know, we'd love to work with you. We have $12 and you say no. And then they go, okay. I'm like, you know, come back when you're ready. And they always generally do if they really want to work with you and they'll come back a couple months later or a week or a year with meeting you where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my advice is to one, um, make sure that you can afford your life. Like it shouldn't be an act of des- desperation to say yes to things if you can, otherwise like get a side job. You know, if you're, if you have an accounting degree, like do some bookkeeping on the side, you know, like whatever you want to work in retail to, just to make sure that you're setting a standard for yourself that you can maintain long-term. Um, and then the instances where I, I felt like I was undervalued, um, because the only times I can think of is like, I felt like I was like deceived a little bit. Like when you say like, Hey, what's the whatever. And then someone's like, Oh, I got this. It's hard to compare to, because just because someone has similar numbers to you, doesn't mean that you, they have the same value to the brand. You know, mm. you don't like what is, cause other things count engagement type of audience. If your audience is 18 to 24, they spend less money than people who are 25 to 35. So my audience might be more valuable than yours. I might have better conversion in my affiliate links. Those are all the things that you should measure yourself so that you can have the ammunition to say to a brand, like when they say, Hey, here's your 10 bucks. You're like, actually I need 50 and here's why. And here are my analytics for these things. This is my conversion. These are how people respond to me when I'm, you know, giving them links and blah, blah, blah. So it's, sorry, I'm rambling. It's like, it's very like layered. No, No. I love it. Everything you're saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so good. I love that so much because two things that you said are so powerful and I found so much confidence in is one, saying no. There is nothing more powerful than having the confidence to say, no, I deserve more. You can't do it. Then that is totally fine. Like I'm happy to move on. You can as well. And you're so right. They come back if they want to work with you. And just standing up for yourself, it just gives you so much power to continue to do that moving forward as well. And then something else is just knowing your worth as terms of numbers and being analytical in that sense. Because when you can speak on your demographics, when you can speak on what you offer, you feel so much more empowered because you have that education. You did your research. You know what you can provide. And then you're not just like begging for more money. You're telling people, this is exactly why you need to pay me more. And I was Mm -hmm. listening to you on the Power of Plus webinar. And something that I thought was so interesting was how you said that you get a lot of media attention and how you use that to get brands to pay you more or to like show your worth. And that was something I thought was so incredible because I was like, that is amazing. First of all, good for her for like, using that angle too. And second of all, I was so impressed that you were talking about media and magazines and all that, because that is something that like personally, as confident as I am in my business is something that I've always struggled with is being able to pitch myself, being able to show like my accolades and what I've done. And I think that you do such a good job of knowing your worth across so many boards and sharing your story in a really, really impactful way. Thank you. I think it's weird um, to, to, you know, I, I, I used to be very bad at it. Um, I used to be very bad at like celebrating myself. Um, I just, 
even with myself, with other people, I would just be like, okay, great. Like, we don't need to have a party about it. Keep going, you know? And, um, just, you know, your girl gang and your friends around you, like always encouraging, like, Hey, take a minute, like appreciate this or whatever. Um, and it's funny because about media, a lot of people assume that cause I come from publicity, that that's why I get pressed. But like every single piece of press I've ever gotten, like every single one has not been pitched. I never pitch myself to media, not one time. It's all organic. It's all stuff that comes into my inbox. And it's, it's, it's like power in like, you don't have to have a million followers to be noticed. You just have to be excellent, you know, in your own little way. Um, and people will pay attention. And so, you know, knowing, I will say that knowing what to do with media definitely comes from being a publicist because it's like when I would have a client, great, your jeans are on a page in glamour. So what? like, okay, you'll get the initial sales, but like, how do you add longevity to that? And it's like, you know, maybe add it to your newsletter, you know, like companies love to see this stuff. Or if you have a sales force and you, and they're going into like, this is old school world. Cause like, nothing stores like don't exist anymore but if you have a sales force and they're going to like bloomingdale's and nordstrom or whatever put it in a little packet like brands like to see this stuff and it just adds value to your brand and so i would say if you get media if, if someone writes about you share it on your stories because the right people might see it and say, wow, you know, she was wearing our blah, blah, blah. She's wearing our shirt. This is great. We should reach out to her. Like maybe we want to gift her some stuff and then talk to her about a future project. Um, it may encourage other media outlets to cover you because they go, oh, they're covering her. Oh, wait, she is dope. Let me go explore her further. You know, those are like the little things where it's like this lasting stuff that you can do that earns, that adds value. It's so interesting and so important because that's stuff like I've always been so shy about and been so scared to share. And for some reason, anytime there was press or media, and I would always think like, oh, if you're sharing this, like it's you trying to like brag about yourself or you trying to, no. and it's not because when I see other people doing, I'm like, oh, that is so because dope. they're just. Like, how would you have known, right? right. Like, you would never know. I don't know about the media you're in because you never shared it. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, it's so But easy. I would love to know. And now I'm like, now I want to go look it up. Like, <laughs> were you in some awesome roundup about like white full dresses? I want to see, like, I think it's really about giving people the benefit of the doubt because our audiences are tuned into us because they like us, right? They, yeah. they like what we say. They like our personality. They like our choices. Um, and so giving people the space to celebrate with you versus you're not like being braggadocious. You're not like, I'm better than everyone. Look at this thing. It's more like you guys, we did it. Look, look at this. This is amazing. You know, 1000%. I just think that's such an important mind shift because it is so great to celebrate yourself and celebrate what you've all built together. Um, but I think that no matter where you are in your life or your career, it's so easy to get like bogged down on like those little insecurities you have and you know, everyone has them. That's for mine. sure. <laughs> And I don't feel like they ever go like away. They just like, you, you tackle one and then you're on to the next one. It's like this lifelong journey of, you know, evolution. Exactly. We're always growing. We're always changing. There's always going to be something. Once you're like, okay, I've tackled that. There's going to be something else. It's never mm -hmm. ending. <laughs> so just get comfortable. Um, but talk to us about what was it like being featured in Vogue? That was incredible. Amazing. No <laughs> big deal. Nuts. That was nuts. Like, it's funny because we live in this new era of accountability, right? 
And um, the fashion girl in me was like, you know, the fashion publicist, like you can barely get your brands in vogue, you know, was like, I cannot believe this, you know, but also people are being called to task about representation and what, you know, behavior and all those other stuff. I was purely ecstatic. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I was not absolutely (laughs) ecstatic. It's the barometer of like what we consider to be, you know, excellence in fashion. And so when I got an email and it was like, Kelly X Vogue. And I was like, excuse me. Oh what? my gosh. I got goosebumps. And I, just were you like sweating? <laughs> were you like, is this like a scam? What's going like, on? The face you see right now. So I was like, what? And I opened the email and I was like, no, this, what is happening? And I thought, okay, okay, what? And I thought it would be like, a paragraph or two. I didn't know what it, I thought it may be a roundup or I just didn't understand it was going to be an entire feature. And I thought this is absolutely berserk. I don't even understand what's happening. And they were, and it's funny because this is one of those um, manifestation moments. I took those photos like two weeks prior to the email. And I remember looking at the photos and being like, this ish belongs in Vogue. Like I'm obsessed with this, like, room, my dress. I I just was like, this is like, if fat fat were Vogue, if Vogue were fat, this is it. Right. And I said that to my photographer. And then when they asked for photos, I was like, I got them. I love that. I'm ready. Literally. I not two weeks, not even two weeks. And then, um, the cherry on top to the madness was that I got like a little note, like, um, I'm a, you're about to be posted on the Vogue account. And I was like, what? They don't like that. Instagram is sacred. Like they do not post. Like they just do not post like regular people like myself <laughs> on that thing. You're not all. regular. There you go. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? And, um, it just kept getting nuttier. I was like, this is insane. Yeah. It was great. Oh, I'm so happy for you. That, that is seriously awesome. I know I have goosebumps just hearing you talk about it because it is so, it's like when one of, in kind of the plus size, you know, world, like Mm -hmm. when someone is succeeding, it's like making room for everybody. Absolutely. It's just so cool to see you be such like an authority in this space and doing such incredible things. I'm like, oh, it's amazing. It was, it was, I was humbled. I was like, I cannot believe this. This is, it was I'm still like shook up about it like wow that's crazy but very exciting Kelly we need to know where did the phrase fat icon come from fat icon popped into my head um I think I was I was at my friend's house last winter and um I was thinking about some merch or whatever and I knew I wanted the word fat on something and I was like, fat, fat. And I was like, fat icon. I don't, I just literally blurted it out. And I was like, oh my God, this is good. And I knew that it was like, I wanted a, the word fat and a positive word together. Cause we never see fat associated with good things. And we especially never see fat associated with something to aspire to be, right? Everyone aspires to be iconic, right? In their totally. own life, way, field, whatever. Um, it literally popped into my head and I was thinking about, I remember I was sitting with my assistant and I was thinking about like graphic design. I was like, okay, what do I want it to look like? And then I decided to just trace it onto paper. So my merch that says fat icon, that's my handwriting. Oh, I, um, I was like, I want it to look kind of like 
like cool kid art, you know? Yeah. And so I just wrote it. And then I loved it because it was like me writing it across your chest. So when you wear a fat icon, it's like, if you look up to me, if you have any um, aspiration or whatever, like I just wanted for me to you to write fat icon across your chest. And so that's, that's how it happened. It's almost like your signature across. People. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I, once again, like everything you do is so well done. And it's like, I'm like the fact that it just came to you. I'm like, damn. I need to have one of those epiphanies. <laughs> That's amazing. I have to be honest with you. I sometimes still struggle with the word fat because I do feel like there is, there is for, unfortunately still like not a negative connotation, but people hear it and feel that way. And I recently had this instance with a brand where I was doing an interview for them and the person that I was interviewing calls themselves fat. And like, mm-hmm. that is how they prefer to talk about themselves. And so I use the word fat and they kept asking me to change it to plus size, to plus size, to plus size. And, you know, I'm like working with a brand and I'm trying to explain to them, like, listen, like, I'm okay with changing it. But I just want you to know that, like, this isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to put this person down by calling them fat. And it was really interesting. And it was something that internally I'm like, I don't even know how to feel about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on like the word fat and how <clears throat> can we break down those barriers and just kind of make everyone feel a little bit more comfortable? I think that number one, it is 100% normal to have an aversion to the word fat. It's been weaponized all of our lives. It's been um, always connotated as something bad and it um, has often been used as a form of insult or to try to hurt you. Um, I think that if you subscribe to the word, fantastic. If it's not for you, we can't say what people's like traumas are or how they process things. Um, we can't really tell people how to feel. And I wouldn't want to assert that word onto anyone who's uncomfortable. I personally am comfortable with that word. I see it as a descriptor. It's given me a lot of power to take the, the hate out of that word. Because if we're talking and we refer to someone as thin, no one flinches, right? right? It's just mm-hmm. a description. Um, if we say someone has an athletic body or a thin body or skinny or whatever the words we use are, um, most often the only one that anyone is going to have any sort of reaction to is fat. And that's because of how it's been used um, as a, as a weapon, you know, it's been used by the bully on the playground. It's been used by like our moms and aunts and stuff like careful, don't do this. You'll get fat, you know? So it's always been, you know, used in that way. So it is super normal and natural to, to not like the word, but I think that there is power in language. And I think there's power in taking away some of that. Um, and it wasn't until I was like on the interwebs and in the trenches of like the loving army of fat women online and plus size people and curvy people, whatever, who just were like, yeah, fat girl, this fat girl, that. And I was like, huh. And I remember my ex-boyfriend, he was like, I have never met a woman that called them own, their own self fat. Like, this is wild. And I'm like, do you think I'm fat? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> do you think if you didn't know me, would you think I was fat? And he was like, I guess. And I'm like, but you think I'm beautiful and amazing and lovely and hot. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so why is the fat part is not bad, you know? Um, so I think it's really up to you. It's nothing that I would push on anyone. I think it's really about just taking the power out of the word, uh, the negative power out of the word for yourself. And that's another reason, like when I did fat icon, I knew there would be people who were afraid to like wear the shirt, mm-hmm. um, but they would 
but they felt attached to it or they liked the idea, the design or whatever. And that's why I did a mug too. Cause I'm like, you know what, if you want to be a fat icon, just sipping your coffee and you don't want it on your chest, like there's, you can do that too. It's like dipping your toe in the pool. Can I tell yeah. you? Yeah. I feel like I'm talking to my therapist right now because you're just like making me realize <laughs> so many different things. And when you said that like fat has been weaponized, I literally started going through like all these things in my head. I was like, oh yeah. Like when I used to get into fights with my sister growing up, like her thing would be like, well, you're fat or like, mm. you know what I mean? People in my family, like, oh, like you said, don't eat that. Like, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. recently, like this is a whole other drama thing that people will see with the house thing. But I recently had like, a grown man to my face calling me fat as like a way to like trying to embarrass me. And I'm like, I'm a 32 year old woman. Like this does not bother me anymore, but it really is like such a way. It is like such a weaponized word. And most recently, and I would love to talk to you about this as well, but I've had, I had a video go viral on IG reels and I could not believe the amount of negative comments I received. And part of me was just like, okay, just matter of fact, like this is like hilarious. First of all, why is Instagram showing my video to people who clearly don't <laughs> want to see this content? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone was saying that like I was promoting obesity, just calling me gross, like all the vomit faces. And uh, I, I haven't had to, I haven't faced that level of hate or online bullying and ever honestly. So it was really interesting going through that. And I don't know, have you had to deal with that at all? The exact same experience. Okay. Um, and I think there's a lesson in anybody is, uh, no one is, is, is bulletproof from this, right? We look very different. We are very different sizes. The same comments to me, the same comments to you, the same comments to the size six girl with a belly roll. So true. They don't care. It's not based on facts. It's not based on anything except for blind hatred of fat people having the gall Mm. to like exist. And so, um, I too live in an internet bubble, you know, where, you know, everyone loves you and it's just like kind. And the worst comment you get is like, I don't like that dress. And I'm like, okay, sis, well don't buy it. Like, I don't, (laughs) um, and so had a reel go viral and the comments were wild. Mm -hmm. Um, I have never gotten more than like a comment or two on anything that was not good. And especially like anything violent, um, like vomit emojis and tagging their friends and like calling you. It was crazy. And I decided a long time ago when I got one comment, it was my first negative comment and I'll never forget it because I was shocked. Um, it wasn't even that bad. The girl said, uh, this I was wearing like these like Mark Jacob boots or something and this dope bubble coat and whatever. And she goes, this, it was everything I was wearing was designer too. And this, it wasn't like on purpose. It just was what I was wearing. And the girl goes, you look like you got dressed out of a trash bag. And I was so pissed. It was so funny. Cause it was like the first time anyone had ever said anything negative to me about like my appearance. You're like bitch. No, um, you did not. I was literally, and I sent it to my little sister who was like, we're blind stalking the person, like looking for, she was like, <laughs> she was out for blood. She lived. My little sister does not play, especially when it comes to me. So she was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I decided to think about what celebrities are super polarizing. And I thought of Kim Kardashian. I was like, let me go look at her comments. I went to Kim's comments and they were vile. I mean, they were outrageous. And I thought, 
this is the the body type the woman the one that you know so many aspire to look like and blah 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 she's the curvy the the appropriately thick and all of that mm-hmm. if she gets these comments then whatever comments I get aren't going to bother me because she's living her very rich life and not caring. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> I needed, I needed like, I needed a, I needed a meter, you know, I needed like the Kim K meter. I need, <laughs> I need or so, like, I just went, I looked at her and a couple other people, but they were all really bad. And so I thought it's not personal. Like it's, it's really something is wrong with these people. Like hurt people hurt vibes, but yeah, the, the real going viral, so I thought, okay, I'm super fortified. I know who I am. I think I'm fly, whatever. And so the first couple happened and I was just like moderating. Like I just wanted to block some of the people. Um, and I just didn't want them to have access to me, you know? Mm. And every time I opened Instagram, there was more. So there were like 3000 good comments, all the yes, queens and, and crowns and all that stuff, all of that viral kind of positive stuff. And then there'd be like, 10 crazy ones and then it'd be hundreds of good and another 10 crazy ones it got to the point where i was only looking at the crazy ones because i was looking for them yeah right. and i stopped myself and i was like you know what this is no good i needed to put comments on um only people who follow you i was like i need to do this for a day to give myself a break like i needed a mental deta- i needed to give myself space to detach and like re jigger you know and to re be like okay this is not real. This is just blind hatred. And it was rough though. It was, it was rough. That's really interesting. And I honestly really appreciate that vulnerability that you kind of struggle with it for a moment. I, yeah. will, I will say like, for me, it, for, for me, it was more of just like, are these people out of their effing minds? Say this to my face. And I, I, I didn't let it bother me that way. What really bothered me was seeing people trying to come to my defense because yeah. What that meant to me was that these people have also been told this before too, and they are seeing Mm -hmm. it and it's hurting them. And that's where kind of, I was a little bit triggered because, and I would honestly, I I didn't block any comments really. I actually didn't block any comments at all. The only times I responded to anything negative was responding to someone saying, girl, don't even waste your time. Like this person means nothing. Mm -hmm. But seeing that, and then when I shared it in, in my stories and on my, on my feed, I realized like how many people this is happening to online and in real life every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I blocked the people. I wasn't necessarily like blocking comments. I just, I was just like, I just wanted them to know that you don't have access to me. Like you don't get to tag your friend and all this other nonsense. Um, And it absolutely, it wasn't like I was sitting in my room, like crying about it. It was more just like, I felt affected. Like it was messing with my energy. Like I could feel it on me a little bit. And so I needed the space to shake that off and just remind myself like who I am. Like, first of all, you're so far, like it's Instagram's fault. Like you're so far out of the sphere of like people um, that it doesn't make sense. You know, it's not like, like of a, like of a, like, you know, how algorithms are supposed to work. You're like on some dude's page from like the other side of the world who just can't wait to like hate you. Mm-hmm. Can you do me a favor though? That next time that happens, can you just copy and paste your Vogue article to every single person <laughs> <laughs> and just be like, if you have anything else to say, please reference this. Thanks, yeah, bitch. Literally. Yeah. Be like, if you aren't sure. Yeah. Well, the yeah. last thing I would love to chat to you about before we um, wrap up here is, so obviously we're all kind of in like the self-love 
and I'm going to use body positivity space, but um, we've been seeing a lot of talk about thinner white women in the body positive space. And to be honest, I started using that term when I was like 18, started blogging, and I had I had never even thought about the origins, where it came from, and having these conversations recently, to be totally open, I'm kind of, it's making me think about things in a completely new way. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of, you know, people getting very angry and upset. Um, but I would just love if you had anything to like speak on in that space of kind of white women's role, or I know some people are saying dominating the body positivity space. Like, what do you think about that? What's your take on it? I think my take is complicated. Everything, right. is complicated. Well, I asked you a very complicated question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, in one regard, I remember when I first started blogging, I was only talking about style. Um, Mm. I wasn't talking about self-love. It was more just like my comment on self-love was like, exist, live your best life in the body you're in and kind of infer from context. And that was my attitude toward like year one way back. And so when people would call me a body positive uh, influencer, I'd be like, you're calling me that just because I'm fat. I'm not doing that work. You know, there's a lot of women who are doing that work, who are advocating and body positivity is not the same thing as self-love. You know, everyone should love themselves and the body positive space, at least online, the way that it existed was to advocate for marginalized bodies in a way that there's job disparity, there's healthcare, there's all these things that are much deeper than just what you look like or a belly roll. And so at first, predominantly black women um, were online and sharing like, um, you know, imagery, information, blah, blah, blah. And that space was kind of the body positive space. And as it grew, more different types of people are, you know, within the space and advocating, et cetera. Um, I think what happened is, and I'm not like perfect about this and I don't claim to have like to be the thesis for everyone to like follow. This is just my opinion. But I think what happened is um, that space became popular. Um, Brands started paying attention and then women who are size eight, you know, who happen to be a little bit thicker, a little bit curvy, started jumping in the space using the hashtags. And because brands can be lazy, because brands can be racist, because brands can be sizes, said, cool, if body positivity has a look, I'm going to take this thing as close to what we already do regularly, which is a smaller white body. And she's going to get the campaign. She's going to get the media coverage. She's going to get the large amount of followers because other people are following what they normally follow. So there was nothing really marginalized about those people. And then you have people who like for both of you guys, as a size 24, I look at you and I think of you more as like in betweeny. you know, you probably yeah. fit both straight and plus sizes. Um, and you will have experiences like you being attacked <laughs> for, for a viral reel um, and people calling you names and stuff. But I think walking down the street, your life experience is going to be drastically different than someone who is a size 20, 22, 24, it just is. Mm-hmm. Um, your experience is like fitting something or fitting into something or riding a ride or doing a different activities. You just don't have those experiences because you're on the smaller side of plus. So I don't think that the space is like, oh, you know, white women and you're smaller. You can't be here. It's more like you do need to pay attention to where things came from. I think that's an important part of culture in general. Um, 
pay attention to where things came from so that you can one to make sure that as opportunities are being made for you, uh, access your privilege, your whiteness, your smallerness and say, cool, I'm included. Take a look around the room and be like, wait, why isn't she included too? Because your asking is going to get her there more than her banging on the door, you know? And so I think it's, very important for white women in the space to take inventory of their opportunity, take inventory. It's, we all have ego and it's very easy to say, well, I got this because I'm great. I'm hardworking. Of course you are. However, there are reasons that someone looked at you to see your greatness and your hardworking uh, attitude versus having completely ignored some other people. So I think it's important to take inventory of the spaces that you're in, make sure that those spaces, when they are created by people, that those people are not being left out of the conversation completely. It's absolutely your job to do that work and to make sure that you're advocating for people. It doesn't mean that you can't be in the space, but you can't take all the space. Um, and if you feel like uh, you are, you know, make adjustments. Hmm. No, I think that's super important. I mean, we've talked about it so many times where like we've been on campaigns and I'll look around the room. I'm like, okay, there is no no woman of any color here. There, I'm the largest person, and this is like a plus size brand. I'm like a 14, 16, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if your brand goes up to a size 26, like I should not be the only person showing this brand. Um, but yeah. But I think in that, in that in that instance, that's gonna happen a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it's your job before you get on the campaign when they're sending you like the request ask the questions. Um, Hey, who else is on this? I want to make sure that this, especially now they, they really look, now you have all the power because they really look crazy if they're unwilling to answer you or give you any pushback. They look nuts and they, they just won't do it to say like, Hey, I noticed that there aren't any black women in this campaign or Hey, who else is doing this? And if not like, Hey, there aren't any black women on this campaign. There are no other uh, women of color on this campaign. Uh, Here are four people that I really like. You should look into them. And make sure that you're casting in a, in a diverse way. Yeah. I mean, it's so important to have these conversations because to be completely transparent, like this isn't, I have been working for free for so long and have been hustling to be in this business that like for so long, I'm like, holy shit, I have a job. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That you don't even think to, and I'm getting paid. And mm-hmm. like, you don't even think to be like, wait a minute, who else is doing it until you're there, until mm-hmm. you're involved, until the campaign comes out. And then you're like, oh shit. And like, you have to be honest with yourself and like learn and take that reflection and like do, do the work. Um, but obviously there's a learning curve for everything and all you can Absolutely. continue to do is like grow and, and learn. And if you didn't think about it the first time, now, you know, for sure. you think about it for the next one and there's no need to beat yourself up. Like, Oh, my other campaign. It's more like, cool. I, that was a blind spot for me. Yeah. Here's, here's how I'm going to fix that. Here are my questions. Talk to your manager and be like, Hey, here are my questions that I want to make sure that we ask. And, um, and it, it is part of, I think part of anything when it comes to advocating for marginalized people, whether it's other fat people or fatter people, um, for black people, for people of color, whatever it is in your privilege, there is a cost, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there is a cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the willingness to pay that cost is to maybe be afraid of like an uncomfortable conversation. Um, I was just telling my friend uh, this, who's a white influencer, she's smaller, curvier. And she was saying like, she asked these questions and I thought it was phenomenal. And I thought, you know, there is a, there is a cost. What if this uncomfortable conversation, so you're uncomfortable for four minutes while you send an email, Mm -hmm. but the good that that can do is lasting and it's eternal 
Um, so it's worth it. And, you know, or maybe the brand will just pick someone else who's less, less uh, tapped into, to caring about other people. And that's a cost too. Also worth it. I think we all make sacrifices. We make self-sacrifices to make the world better. And um, I think that's just kind of one of them. I think that what you said, you're making sacrifices to make the world better. That's what we have to be willing to do. And especially something I've been realizing is it, it does have a cost and we have to use our voices as, you know, and recognizing our privilege. And it's definitely, I've had many learning experiences and I'm just so thankful to have people like you in this space who are open to have these conversations and talk about it. And now these conversations are have are being had um, mm-hmm. because um, I mean, I admit it's, I, you know, before didn't even think about it. And now I'm like, what the fuck? There I mean, is a, there's a such thing as blind spots. You know, mm-hmm. I, was on a campaign and it was like this hand washing thing, like right at the top of COVID. And someone mentioned to me, like, yeah, this whole hand washing thing, you know, in a lot of countries, access to water is not how it is in the United States. That's a blind spot for me. I don't live that life. I did not think about how many people can't just go wash their hands whenever they feel like it. And so that can be like, no matter who we are, we generally have, there's, I don't say that just because I'm fat and black, I don't have some privilege. Like I have, privileges. I don't come from like, you know, like I come from a family where I never wanted for anything. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't like, can't go to this school or what I just didn't have that. I didn't, I'm tall, you know, like there's like, I'm cute. Like there's privileges in all of that. And, um, I think that it's important to recognize that there are going to be blind spots and don't be defensive about them and to be able to listen to people who are telling you their perspective mm-hmm. rather than say, well, that's not, that didn't happen to me. And it's like, well, cause we're different. So you're going to have different experiences than I am. It doesn't make them untrue. I'm telling you that this happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I think that as a global community, I think especially through COVID, we've all learned just how connected we are and how much what we do impacts other people. And we really do have to be there for each other, work-wise, wearing a mask, all the stuff. Absolutely. And I just, I, I think that we all just need to be committed to being open to learning and to empathizing with each other, no matter mm-hmm. what our story is or what our background is. Um, Definitely. Kelly, you are someone who is so much fun to follow on Instagram, but real quick, I want to know who are your favorite, three favorite people to follow on Instagram and why? Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I know. hard one. I I didn't even know she was going to ask you that. But like off the top of your mind, like who are your favorite stories to watch? Whose imagery are you obsessed with? Because I feel like you have such a great feed. You have such great style. Like who inspires you? All right. Top inspiration for style, fashion, um, is Tamu McPherson. She is, um, American born, I believe. Um, but she lives in Milan and she's the most stylish person I've ever laid eyes on my life. Like just, it's absolutely insane. Wait, I don't follow her. I know her. I'm immediately going to go she's follow stock. her after this. Exactly. T-A-M-U McPherson. Okay. She is, she's thin, but when I tell you this woman's style is at, like, it's berserk. And it's my favorite kind of style because um, it's not about trend, you know, like mm. people who dress not, and it's not plain either. It's so forward that they aren't trends yet, you know? <laughs> and that is really my approach to getting dressed when I'm like 
really trying to stunt like, ah, oh, you know, wear the cute stuff, whatever. But if you like catch me at an event in New York or like where I really want to have like a You're week trying where I'm to, like, like stop people. Yeah. I can, yeah, yeah. I can really go there. Like that's what it is. It's really like forward. It's like what's coming. It's like that then that's her. And her images are stunning and she's gorgeous and blah blah blah. Um stories, I'm obsessed with Color Me Courtney. Oh, she <laughs> loved her. Courtney is a friend of mine and um, I joke with her that I, I'm a fan of fandom, um, because I personally am not attached to Disney in any emotional way. However, um, I love that people are so up, like, I just love when people are obsessed with the thing and then creating content at such a high level and creativity to the point where you don't have to, uh, like the thing. I like the process. I mm-hmm. like what they're totally. creating. Uh, also Rachel, um, Martino's, uh, she's, new thing so she's good. doing with her boyfriend. Insane. I, I literally do under yesterday. I'm like, just make this a channel. I'm Seriously. more, in, I'm more invested in the stories that they do after the photo than anything else. Like, I'm like, I just want to talk about, I want to hear you talk about process. I want to hear the very in-depth analyzation of like how you're recreating this. It's so smart. I'm obsessed with it. Um, so yeah, fashion is Tamu stories. I would say Courtney and Rachel right now. Um, I always love my friend, Nadia Abelhassan. Um, her stuff makes me laugh. We're very similar sense of humor. We used to live around a corner from each other in New York and she's so authentic. Like all of that craziness you see is 100% her, her personality. So yeah, those are my peeps that I like we'll can leave, think of right off top. There's probably more, there's tons more, but we'll leave these in the show notes for you guys. So you can stock and reference later on as well. Yeah. Well, what do you have coming up? What can we expect from you? Any exciting um, projects? Yeah. Um, that you can that share, can of course. About, right? Yeah. I'm like, um, my merch is definitely moving into more of like a not merchy type thing. Like we're going to, I'm really moving toward like better quality shirts. I mean, the quality's great, but like just taking it up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been really well received. And I had no idea that um, my what I was calling merch because it never really was. It was just like me making shirts that I really wanted to wear. (laughs) Um, So that's really cool. I plan on launching a podcast in the fall. Not sure when yet. Um, I have a lot on my plate, so I'm trying to figure out at what point, but probably late fall. Girl, we've been Um, saying we were launching this podcast for a year, so don't worry. Yeah, this took us a year. (laughs) You're good. Literally. I'm like, when it's out, I make sure to tell you, but I started an IG for it, Fat Icon Podcast, so that everyone can keep up with like when I actually do it. That's good. Um, So those are like the immediate things that are like fun and I'm excited about. You fearlessly this summer kind of talked very loudly about how you wanted a Stitch Fix collab and how... And what's going on with that? Can, is that something we can expect? I I don't know. I hope so. Um, Who do we have to call? <laughs> yeah, we'll go. We'll I be had, in the DMs. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I've never publicly just said what I want. Right? I don't know. My mom always used to say, "Like loose links, lo- loose lips sink ships." You know, like keep everything close to the cuff until it's real. And for some reason, I just went crazy one day, and I was like, "I'm just going to say this out loud," and I chose you know, them as like the person that I wanted to say, I want this with is because I do work with them all the time. Um, I think the company, you you know, they're easy to work with. They've been extremely fair in terms of like collaborations. Um, I like that there's a service element so that um, it's, and I like that the price point would be able be accessible. 
Um, so I just thought it would be such a natural fit. And so I, I just blurted it out one day and I had no idea that hundreds of comments would be left and people like huge, like site directors from major companies were tagging the CEO. It was nuts. Like people like Zoe Report did an entire article. I saw um, Lauren Caruso talking about it and I was like, yeah, oh, this is awesome. It's yeah. like where I first saw it. Yeah, she wasn't the only one either. I mean, like a lot of that's amazing. Big names in fashion were talking about it. So if it's not with them, I hope it's with someone soon. But yeah, well, you we're know. so excited to see what you have coming. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> and lastly, please let our audience know where they can find you on social, all of the things. Yeah, um, my Instagram is it's me Kelly B. Um, I T S. M-E-K-E-L-L-I-E-B. Uh, my blog is And I Get Dressed. My YouTube is And I Get Dressed. My TikTok is And I Get Dressed. <laughs> all spelled out, but I'm sure you'll have links to all of that. Yeah, stuff we will. Yes. Yeah, that's, come find me. Say hello. Let's hang out. Let's talk about stuff. Get involved in Sockgate and Weaselgate and all the gates. And oh, talk about crows, Weaselgate. Oh my gosh, we could do a no, whole other podcast on this, let me tell you. But it's, Yeah. <laughs> There's a, basically, there's wildlife in my backyard, you guys. And oh, I'm right. terrified, so, so I'm, do- I'm documenting. Well, when we come over for like rosé or drinks, yeah. then we will experience it ourselves. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Kelly. We really, really Thank appreciate you. it. And everyone go stalk Kelly. Stalk <laughs> me. I love it. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks, girl. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.